Your life experience, good or bad, is a gift when you share it with others. At Taxi Chronicles, we allow real riders with real stories to share their gift. So hopefully this episode will intrigue, enhance or inspire you. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Morning, morning, morning. Yes, we're back with another episode, another rider. Today we have a lovely lady and she's had many, many years experience in the human resources. And she's going to tell us about how she got there. And just what a typical day like in the HR business. So nice to have you here Sally. Hello, nice to be here. So tell us, when did you realise you wanted to work in HR? I fell into HR. Okay. Basically, I started in a company more than 25 years ago. And I was a temp on reception. I then had my contract extended to become a marketing officer and support a marketing team. I then was fortunate enough to have another offer of working in finance. And in those days, um, human resources wasn't really formed. And the company I worked for, they were basically wanting to acquire many other companies. And to do that, we needed a HR function. So the finance manager at the time was called into the CEO's office and told she needed to go and do a a HR course, um, which she did. And we created a very small HR team. We had about 200 employees at the time. I was then a um, a human resources administrator, a human resources generalist, a human resources officer. And when I left that company, I left as a human resources manager. And I thank that company for every opportunity. And they basically, we grew from 200 employees to more than 10,000 in the time I was there. So it was massive. And the exposure I got was amazing. Did you, um, did your numbers increase? Sorry, did the number of human resources people increase as well? Yes. Yes, so we had to grow the team quite rapidly. Um, It started with just three of us uh, doing everything, basically issuing contracts, doing all of the um, acquisition work, which is tough because you are bringing employees from a company that they probably love working for um, to then come and work in our company and take on the brand. So you have a lot of challenges with that kind of change management. That's it, that's what you call them. And their company is always great, but yet the reason we acquired you is because your company isn't so great and it's making a loss and we want to make it better. Yeah, I understand. Denial. Yes, a lot of that. And many, many focus groups, many, many, you know, kind of personal conversations and uh, trying to bring them on board. And those that didn't want, they left, which is fine. And those that did want to be on the journey, they stayed and they've done well. Even now I keep in touch with people. In that situation, do you must have to have real good people skills. Yes. How would you say your people skills have developed from when you started employment uh, up to today? 
do you know, I think for me, and I've carried this from very young to even now in my role, I treat people the way I want to be treated. So that helps me dealing with difficult situations, redundancies, mm -hmm. firing people, um, difficult conversations, um, supporting managers that are not able to, you know, have those types of conversations. And it's just think about the end user and whatever is happening is, is happening to someone and there's a personal impact. You know, whatever that person is, they came in in the morning thinking they have a job, thinking that everything is fine, and then they're leaving for the day to go home and tell a wife or husband there is no job or there is risk of not having a job. So I think that plays a big part for me, and it doesn't matter whether I'm dealing with the administrator in finance or um, a manager of a department, it's treating them with respect. Okay. You spoke about earlier the quite a few different titles. Um, human resources officer, manager. Yep. What is the difference between those different titles? It's kind of most people in HR that want to be, get into HR. So you've probably maybe gone to university. I never went to university. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, my schooling was basic GCSEs. Um, I've just been fortunate to land, I think, in the right place at the right time. And then fortunate that my company supported me then to do the CIPD, which is the HR qualification that I have now. Um, but the you normally somebody coming, say, out of university or young will start as an administ administrator. So they're doing all the contracts, offer letters, employment, email, you know, anything like that. And then if you get into more of the officer role, you're then fortunate or unfortunate to maybe be involved in disciplinaries, grievances, you might be taking notes. So basically what you're doing is that then you're being mentored by a HR manager slash generalist who is showing you the ropes on how to formally do a disciplinary, make sure you follow the policy, the process. And then the generalist is somebody really that is involved in everything so if you looked at an employee handbook and that handbook covers payroll um, holidays um, disciplinaries grievances redundancy that's a generalist so your broad experience and that's what I've always loved is I've kind of jumped into so many of those things mm -hmm. that now whatever I'm thrown into it's kind of like yeah that's fine I've done that with how long did it take you to kind of master all the trades, all the areas? When I was at that company that gave me all those opportunities, it took me, it took me at least seven years of being in those positions for a couple of years, I'd say, um, and always putting, always wanting to be, I was never the highest earner because I didn't have the qualification but I would always, I would never complain, but I would always do the best or better or more oh, yeah, to prove myself. You? you see all the figures. Yeah, you know, you know what somebody else is on. Um, and I never kind of, you know, I used to say to my partner, oh, I know such and such is on this amount and, and I'm only on this amount. And he used to just say to me then, it will come because you will, 
you will demonstrate your worth. And I can remember the HR director at the time calling me in when she gave me a whacking pay rise um, when I took on the manager role. And, and it was fabulous. That's when you knew it you paid kind of, off. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, the yeah. hard work, the hard work had paid off. Water in the sea. Yes. Now you cut the plants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, that's great. What would you say to your 16-year-old self? <sighs> Get a good education. Mm-hmm. Do the best you can. Not Maybe it's not um, a degree, because, you know, I, I've seen many people that are degree qualified or come from the best schools or the best universities and they have no common sense um but get your basic education um because that will then help you to apply you know for the jobs people will give you opportunities more companies now are doing apprenticeships that's back on the cards that's a good way of stepping in um, we're actually thinking the industry I work in at the moment is involved in food and beverage um, auditing mm. and we're struggling to find experienced because the market is so small but if we were if we recruited graduates or somebody at that low level and then invested in them so I think get a good education at school get those mm. basics so would you, would you have got a degree Probably not. Okay. It's funny you speak about that because, was it Google? No, is it Google and YouTube um, are saying that they, and Tesla, mm-hmm. that they don't, you don't have to have a degree to work for them. Yep. Because they can value experience. Yep, exactly. And so it's a way of the future. It's funny how it's gone full circle. It has, it has, because so many years, you know, for so many years, and especially early in my career, there were times, you know, I used to feel, I wouldn't say embarrassed, but, you know, when you get to meet people and they're talking about, oh, when I was at university and I've studied this and I've studied that and I've studied everything, and I used to sit there at times thinking, oh, gosh. Um, but then I'd think, you know what, Samantha, the experience that you have just can outshine what those people have on, on a piece of paper. Mm. I've, I, I've got a degree in construction management. Okay. And when we went on to, when we first did our first year, mm. there's 150 of us in the um, lecture theatre. Yep. Um, but there's only eight who were full-time. Oh. Everybody else is part-time. Wow. We're dealing with the construction industry. And by the end of that year, nobody, including myself, was full time. Wow. We were all part time. We um, were getting qualifications, experience, and money. Yeah, and that's it. And, you come, and I spoke, I interviewed quite a few different people teachers, paramedics, and they all say, well, you don't need, they're, they're like, for if you want to be a paramedic, you can pay. Do a degree in it, of course. 50k. Yeah. Or you can go and work as a trainee paramedic, and by the end of the five years, you have been getting a salary, yeah, and experience, and got signed up as equipment. Yeah. Degree. That's so true. And actually, that applies to our employees. We have this. Um, 70 20 10 approach so 70 percent is on the job mm-hmm. 
20% is like the training element and then 10% is kind of like what we'd invest in anything external, um, not internal. And, And it is the right approach, I think, for any industry. That's, that's good. What would you say you've learnt that you wish you knew when you started in this industry? Mm, that's a good question. Um, company politics. Company politics <laughs> drives me you, insane. You're not the only one. That's <laughs> why I love this job. And it still does drive me insane. But I think I deal with it better than I did when I started. Um, I tend not to perhaps let it frustrate me or... But company politics is just... I sometimes have many conversations with managers and and even employees just say, you know, at the end of the day, we all work for one company. Um, The fact that that bit of revenue might be going over there and you're fighting over, I don't know, 100 euro or something, it's, it's so de-energizing and you I've seen I've seen many many times people just leave because of these situations and company politics so I think I've learned to deal with it better but it's still there (laughs) it's not gone away Mm -hmm. that's one there's probably other things but I just can't think of at the top of my head how how would you that's a really good state of things how would you tell a young person coming in there how to navigate themselves around company politics? Yeah. And I have to say, I'd probably one of your work would have been one of your worst because my spelling's not the best. Yeah. I remember one of the directors sent an email and CC quite a lot of people in and point out my spelling mistake. Really? So me being from a council estate, went straight into his office <laughs> in front of the CEO. Brilliant. Good for you. No, good for you. Don't call me out like that. Yeah, Thanks yeah, very much. I don't care who you are. Spelling was never my strong point. Yeah, so but he behaved himself well. But he did cause another problem um, when we, I was running the construction site. We had to get a clock up. Tony yep. Blair was coming. Okay. Yeah, and the head teacher wanted a photo and all this. So. Um, he has health and safety issues and blah, blah, blah. I told him we had to meet before we could do the job. Yeah. Then he's ranting and raving on the phone. I said, yeah, come down here then. Come down here. <laughs> like he didn't come down for three days. And when he did come down, he was like lingering at the fence, not sure if he should come over to <laughs> And he kind of come over and is kind of playing his foot in the gravel being like a half moon. And he said to me, oh, um, uh, I see the crocs up. It's quite an emotional time, wasn't it? <laughs> and that's his full of an apology. <laughs> that's the way he's dealing with that yeah. situation. Yeah. No, that's a good point as well. It's how you, and especially as a young person, I think I've I just had um, a, a colleague that I poached from a previous company that we worked together at. She was at that generalist officer level and the role I had here in this company was for a HR manager Europe mm-hmm. big role lots of countries lots of po- politics um, lots of issues employee issues and 
I felt she could step up into the role because she had a lot of experience. She's could probably be mentored and, and supported. But the one thing she didn't have was confidence. Mm -hmm. And she didn't stand she couldn't she didn't stand up for herself. Oh. And it it is. And my HR director is is a I've known her, I've worked with her. 20 odd years ago in the same company that we and uh, so I know her personally very very well and you have to be confident you have to present whatever information it is you're presenting confidently guiding managers confidently and she left and one of the reasons I think she left was basically because she didn't cope with that confidence of being that front-facing HR person and she's gone and got a role now behind the scenes doing HR analytics so for me a young person and like you say doesn't matter whether that's the CEO the cleaner or the thing you've got to have that confidence and that presence mm. um, and you don't have to be yeah. rude I think I've said wild aggression you, pr you probably overstepped the mark <laughs> you'd be on my fired list <laughs> yeah, don't play don't start lighting fires you but you see my HR director would love you for that you know you're direct you're saying it how it is you're standing your ground mm. and I think people find it very hard to mm. have that presence and that confidence especially when they're young mm. and she was very young yeah. well also we're dealing with building sites so one end you're dealing with architects clients very wealthy people people full of themselves for their position. Imagine. And the other end you're dealing with ex cons. Yep, just out there and, on and the football fans. Yeah. <laughs> and who've got egos and all the rest of it. So you're you know, you kind of it's a dance that you need to learn to of play. Of course it is, yeah. But in my sense that I just when it got you know it's like when you and you may be able to speak another language. Yeah. And speak it quite well, but when you get upset your natural mother tongue comes up. Yep. <laughs> I said in that sense. I watched a um, there's a YouTube there's a YouTube clip and they were talking about there's a guy I'm not sure if you've ever heard of him um, Simon Stink uh, Sink Sinker he's big on like what you do okay he, he goes and advises the military advises different okay he's really good you should give him a view yeah because he talks about dealing with people and he said there's one time there's a corporate meeting. And like there were one of the managers kind of full of himself, but highs behind his rank. Yeah. And he must have caught somebody uh, like a, like a no, it wasn't racist, like a pussy, you know. Yeah. So the other guy goes, listen, where I'm from, if a guy calls you that, you're gonna have a fight. Yeah. Basically, it's a challenge. Are you challenging me? Wow. And the guy went quiet. Oh. You know, yeah, just by, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's just saying it to him, listen, if you're going to talk to people, yeah. you know where they're coming from. Yeah, exactly. You know how they're going to No, you have to. You really do. But your job is really good because you you can deal with everybody. And you could probably you could be in any company when you think about it. You can. You can adapt. I mean, I've worked in... Um, the kind of auditor so uh, 
with people that are checking everything. Um, I've worked in telecommunications, I've worked in call centre environments, so you know, you go from this very, uh, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for, that, that auditing mindset, and then you go and work in a call centre for an American company who are just absolutely nuts. And But you do, you adapt, you adapt into, you bring your experience into, like you say, working on a construction site, or whether it's working with the architects, you just adjust to those situations. Mm-hmm. And that's how, and don't try and be something that you're not. Yeah, that's interesting. Those people I haven't got time for. You won't get far. You'll be found out. That's, that's interesting. So just to confirm, the highest position in HR is... Um, you You have now the new terminology of um, chief people officers. So that is basically your... Like some PC. <laughs> How do you deal with PC as well? <laughs> Being politically correct. Yeah, because that must be quite frustration if you come from the older school. Yeah, I think that's probably why I work so well with the boss I have now as a HR director, because behind closed doors we can be so unpolitically correct Mm -hmm. because we do come from old school but we know in our business world we are very politically correct and ensure that but yeah so people officer chief people officer is probably the highest level um and then below that is normally a, a hr director and then you also have business partners there's a it's the same as a hr manager to a point but companies call HR business partners that because you are supposed to then be partnering with the business and you'll be more strategic. So you're not doing anything of those disciplinaries, grievance, people issues, paperwork. You're actually sitting at probably the board meetings or the the um you know the high level meetings and you're talking about strategy what's the people strategy how are you going to support the business how are you going to and that's something that we have um kind of dabbled in um but at the moment our structure is more like our hrd so our hr director is that business partner so she challenges the business on their decisions or she supports them with the people strategy so there's various Companies, different companies to use different approaches. Is there a legal element where you're sitting at that table and they're coming up, the partners or whatever, coming up with ideas and you're saying you can't do that? Yes, yes. Especially when it is related to people. Um, You know, there's always things that uh, managers want to do and they are not thinking about well, what's yeah what's the law especially in different countries so oh, yeah, you know we we support glo- we support global um, but then you've got to think about every single country that has a union but you can't have policies so you can't have one policy no 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 every single country that we look after has their own what we call it's a pag and it's basically the personal guidelines 
and everything there is detailed. So yeah, yeah that would be religion. Yep, all, ev- all of it, everything. All of these things. So as a company, you may want to be seen in a certain way, mm-hmm. but that goes out the window. Let's yeah. say if you're in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, exactly. You know, even during the COVID times, um, our company took an approach to ask employees to voluntarily take a 10% pay cut. But you know, in some countries, you couldn't even do that, even though it was voluntary. And actually, you'd be surprised, in the UK, we had 89% take up. Really? Yep. Wouldn't have been me. And guess what? Uh, the director, did the director and the owner take a cut? All of them, everyone, every level. And also... Did you mark, there's a blacklist of the 11%? Well, <laughs> well, there were some employees that did not volunteer and then there was the approach that we would consult with them and make them but actually we had personal cases so people some people had real financials yeah. um, some people were doing this and we didn't do it we didn't force it but in December our group or our global CEO paid us all back so six months we took 10% pay cut and then in December, he paid every single global employee that had made a sacrifice because we'd done well, yeah. even. And that's something. Yeah, so that it says, says, a, lot about says about, a lot about the employees that they were willing to do it. And it also says a lot about the company that they were willing to, to give you that back. Yeah, I suppose if you said the 10% is not bad, really. It's but like do you know, I saw it as a little... I said to my boss, I said, can he ask us to do it again? Because it was like a little savings. You know, in December, I had this nice little piece of money come through. I was like, oh, I quite like that. Didn't really miss it. People didn't know they was going to get it back. No, we didn't. I mean, there had been talk of, Mm -hmm. and, you know, there was all of this, listen, we can't guarantee, because what if the year is going to be really bad for us? Then you can't promise people. So there were rumours and stuff. But, yeah, that kind of thing, I think, is... I suppose if somebody rejected it and sent in an email explaining why, my personal circumstances, yep. I just couldn't. Yep, yeah, understandable. Yeah, I really, I really understand why. Yep. You know. I had to meet with three of them, um, and for the three of them, I backed what they'd presented and said to Kieran, we can't force them to do this, and she supported that as well. Okay. So it's fair enough. Yeah, so I've owned a business before. Have you? I, yeah, I used to live in Kenya. Okay. And I decided I was in the military prior. So I'd left in the British military. So after my last tour, I went and worked in the ships, stopping the pirates, hijacking the vessels for five years. Oh, really? Then I went to live in Kenya. I sold my house. Obviously, these are the drastic things you do. Yeah, yeah. Who run around other people's <laughs> And then my business was a gym, a car hire, a few tuk-tuks, and a clothing line. Now, I looked at it like this. Yeah, I just did a mass in my head. Was really running out of running, just like okay, <laughs> going uh, for yeah, it. Yeah, you know, we can do this, like this muscling through, isn't it? My personality, all over. <laughs> yeah. Didn't think about human resources, didn't think about a package, like uh, or what you're really giving people, what yeah. the policy is, yeah. all of that. Now, you want to do this, just do that. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you this money, all that. Um, finally, I got an accountant. He said, you got to pay taxes. What do you mean about taxes? Let him pay it. No, no, you've got to pay There's all this to it. And I was just like... What have I done? I yeah, well, I didn't even think about it. I just thought, this is it. It's muscling through. It's that old, you know... Yeah, just I, get it done. Yeah, you're, you're, you're told to take the heels, so we're taking the heel. Anyway. Yeah. That's the way they get squashed. 
Um, that's the I'm driving a taxi five years later. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, it, the reason I'm driving a taxi is because um, I made some bad business decisions, but I didn't do proper due diligence. That's the word. And due diligence is, if you've done due diligence back, let's say, 20 years, you realise in 2007 when they had the elections, they had a civil war. Yeah. So when the new elections came in 2014, seven years or 15, they were on brink. So people were scared. So they right. Came, they didn't go to the gym. They saved their money. They right. stored up food at home. All these kind of things. That means... Obviously, you own a gym. No one's going to turn up. No one's coming. Yeah. Twenty-one people. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Get advisors. Yeah. Get advisors get people who know their job. Yeah. You no. Know, yeah. You may have to pay them well, and maybe a struggle, but it'll save you money in the long term. No, exactly. And these are the things I learned. So I value what you're telling me. Yeah, no, and the, that word alone, due diligence, gosh, how many due diligence have we done, like you said, with acquisitions of companies? You know, it's not just off a whim mm-hmm. that someone said, oh, they're selling that down the road for 500 mil, should we have it? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, we realise below the surface it's even worse than what they're saying. And constantly um, that yeah. is being done. Yeah, on, that's true, because if they're selling... They're going to try and sell at the best of it. They're going to lie. Of course, yes. Deception yes. Book, yes. Because there's that pride as well. Of course there is. There really is. Yeah. And we always know that, and it has happened, especially in, way in the, the first days, that as soon as you've got the company, then you start to uncover all of the, all the scary cracks and, you know, the di- and the directors, you've paid them off. They've all run off into the yonder with huge amounts of money because no one wants to take on their costs um so they're normally paid off off you go and then you start to uncover stuff but yeah due diligence is the word uh, it's a bit off subject but when you buy a big company like that if the company's in problem like they've got tax issues do you does a new company take that on do you they, normally are taking you are you are taking on practically everything and and that's even with employees you're if somebody's, because um, that's one of the things that you do, the first things you do with HR is understand, are there any legal cases? Yeah. yeah. Is there any tribunals? Is there any liabilities? And, and also from a business perspective, you want to know, is there any customer um, liabilities? You know, are they, are they being sued? The business mm. that we're in, we can be sued at any time for something that we do. So as long as the history of that company, even though you've dissolved their name mm-hmm. and they're part of you... You're you... taking on those liabilities. Okay. You're taking those on. Dangerous business, isn't it? This is it. You've got to know what's, what's coming in because before you know it, you, you're landed with one big fat problem <laughs> that you didn't want. Mm. Yeah, I see that. I see that. <laughs> so I'm just getting my head around things. I see that. That's real... That's real serious. Mm. You, there's a part of your job where you said you travelled a lot. Yes. Tell us about travelling and the HR world. What someone can expect. Yeah, so if you're working in a in a global company or a company that has offices in other countries um, that you maybe are responsible for. Um, so I look after a region, Europe, for example, so then I'm working with managers from all different countries, employees in all different countries. And then pre-COVID, um, you would be invited to their management meetings. 
Um, if you had to go and deal with a case with an employee face-to-face, -face, you would travel for that. Um, a lot of, and this is what I miss, a lot of the things that we've done and I've been fortunate to be part of is the team building. So because we're all, a manager has an employee in another country, mm -hmm. as a HR network in this company, there's hundreds of us all over the world. And just pre-COVID, we were all supposed to go to Norway and have a four-day team building mm -hmm. HR session. And those things are really important. Those are where you build your relationships. That's how you build that relationship and that trust with that manager. Because not only are you sitting in the office with them all day, you're going out to dinner with them. You're then finding out what they like, how many kids they've got, have they got a cat or a dog? What their concerns are. Yeah, and they become more open. And then before you know it, you've built such a great relationship um, with a team or with that manager. And trust is a big thing. And I think as much as we're all on conference calls, on Teams, videos, you only get that trust when you're sitting with someone. Uh, you know, that body language. Yeah, that communication. That's what it's about, isn't it? You know, I hate face. I, I can't stand face. I can't stand video calls. I'm at a point where I keep saying to people, please, I know what you look like. I don't want to see you on video. I want to see you on person. Think about it. If you, theoretically, it's like saying, I'm going to just video call my wife from now on. Exactly. Kids, but I'm never going to see them, so I don't need to. Exactly. But you do. Yeah. Because it wouldn't be a relationship. Exactly. So... So, yeah, I think the travel element, if you're fortunate enough to work for a company, um, and not only uh, international or, or thing, I travelled a lot in the UK. Um, I, I spent kind of six, no, to a year going backwards and forward to Aberdeen and um, Glasgow. And, you know, I used to get on that train, the seven o'clock train from Euston. You get, I'd pay for a... Uh, first class ticket, I'd upgrade myself, I'd pay for that because I wanted it, four hours on the train, mm -hmm. lovely. So if that as well I think is, is a nice part, it's the nice bit. Sometimes when you get up at four o'clock in the morning for a flight at seven you really don't want to mm -hmm. but the nice bit is meeting different people, different cultures mm -hmm. and people love sharing about their country, you know, they're mm -hmm. quite proud, they want to take you to that traditional restaurant they want to take you out and show off and so yeah the, the travel i think is a big part if you're fortunate enough do you have siblings no i'm an only child okay, okay that's interesting because only children obviously can be a bit selfish yes stereotypically yep and i have this wouldn't conversation have thought, wouldn't have you would have such a people person yeah if you're an only child yeah, no, it's funny you say that, and I have this constantly with my partner because he's one of, he's got four brothers, and he can sometimes be selfish, and I sit there and I say, I'm the only child, not you, um, so, you know, stop it, stop being selfish, but I've, you know, being an only child, I love my own company, don't get me wrong, I'm, you know, I'm one of those that can be very happy on my own, but then... I also like, like you say, to be a people person, I guess. I like meeting people. I like, you know, just finding out things that you just didn't know about somebody. Then you're like, really? I would never have ever have known that. 
I'm like a sponge. I like to learn mm -hmm. off of other people. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Okay, that's good. Well, you've been a great guest. Oh, thank you. Great, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a great interview. A very informative. <laughs> I hope everybody's learned something who's listening. Hope so. Last question is, what's the impact you want to have on the world? What's the impact I want to have on the world? Wow, gosh, you did, you just threw that one in, didn't you? Mm, I'll give you a curve. <laughs> What's the impact? Oh, gosh. You've got me here, because not being selfish, you see, I'm not really thinking about Speak me. <laughs> not really thinking about what impact I could probably have. Uh... I'll tell you why I asked this question. Go on. Just... I asked this question because theoretically, and I say theoretically, some people have debated with me about this. Go on. Your impact you want to you have on the world is your ultimate goal. Mm. So everything we do in life should be in line about to our ultimate goal. Mm. So if one person doesn't know what they want to ultimately achieve, then they're just sailing blind. Mm, I get you. Yeah, I get you. Now. I still can't answer you. I don't. <laughs> I wanna. Do you know what? I wanna be. And it sounds so silly and just so like that's probably why I'm maybe holding back. It's one of those. I just want to. Simple things to me mean a lot. So material things to me don't mean too much. And. If, if I can be happy and I can make people around me happy, then that's the kind of impact that I, and that's not just in my work, but that's in my personal life as well. Mm -hmm. I, I strive to make sure my daughter is happy. I strive to make sure her kids are happy. I strive to make sure when I come in the office and I see someone's looking a bit down to make sure, you know, how are they feeling? Can I make a difference in their day to day? without being too imposing or them just thinking, oh, please go away. So, yeah, that's my simple answer. Okay. <laughs> Any answer is a good answer. <laughs> no, it is because it's not about right or wrong. No, it isn't. That's right. I've had most people say they just want to make the world a better place or mm. they want people who they meet to have a good feeling that they met them. Yeah. Do get the occasion, and I say this is one in a hundred, who would say, that's right. Forget everybody else. <laughs> oh, you, you do get out of people, and that person does usually say it unapologetically. Yeah. I, this, but I can't. I just have to confess. I want the money. Forget everybody else. It's all about me, myself, and I. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. No, they're out there. They're <laughs> out there. I think that's half of my other half is that probably. Well, you know what? When you get home, ask him. I will. Do you know what? I will. Yeah. You can tell him you've done the interview. I'm sure you. If you like, who have you been talking to? Have you been for a drink with Kieran? <laughs> well, anyway, thanks Thank for you. the interview, and we, and we wish you well. Thank you. We hope you liked that Taxi Chronicles interview. Don't forget to share and subscribe to get the latest episode. Ever considered investing in a continent with the fastest growing economies and population on Earth? The same continent that holds 30% of the world's known natural resources. Listen to our sister podcast, Africa Investor Stories, 
where you hear real investors with real stories from around the world share their experience of investing in Africa. We post Monday and Thursday at 10am British Standard Time.